trying to remember what I say to come in. <laughs> All right, right. Welcome to Meanderings with Trudy to the pause cast. I'm sitting here with Angie Arndt and we're just laughing because I had a huge brain fart and I could not remember how to open up the show. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome everyone. Thank you for being here. We were going to talk about permission and funerals. I think that's what we flagged last time. And we sort of decided that doesn't quite feel right. I think funerals was sort of because it was Halloween time, but Halloween's, we've so done that. Angie was a golden retriever when she went to visit her grandkids. I mean, I handed out more candy than I could count. It's that's so yesterday. So we kind of wanted to get into storytelling and poetry and why that matters. And I hope I hope you'll all kind of join along with us as we uh, as we kick that off. Yeah. 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 Now, what you guys can't see is Angie and I, of course, are chatting over Zoom. And when she came on, she, she having just returned from Arizona to see the grandkids, she was drinking a cup of coffee and the mug was, a, it, it, all I could see was a rising sun on the back. And I said, hey, nice mug. And she then turned it around and it is uh, Ernie in the bathtub with his ducky, <laughs> yellow duck. And I wanted to know, does that mug have a story or is it just, you know, where did that come from? <laughs> you probably know that every mug that I have has a story. Uh-huh. Uh, one of my spiritual practices is the collection of coffee mugs, but not just because they're beautiful, but, but beautiful as in glamorous, but mm-hmm. beautiful because they have a story to them. And so a very long time ago, when I was working in the church, I would sing the Rubber Ducky song to little kids. Uh, Rubber Ducky, you're the one. Who made bad time lots of fun. fun. That one. Rubber Ducky, I'm awfully fond Fond of you. you. Quack of a bottle and all those things. (laughs) And um, one of the kids' parents saw this mug and gave it to me as as a reminder that no matter where I go, you know, there's a rubber ducky. This mug is probably 25 years old now. Oh, wow. um, so that child is now well into their 30s. Yeah. And, but this mug has been around and has been uh, in, in meetings that felt less than rubber ducky-ish. Mm. Yeah. That on days when I feel like a little, I'm awfully fond of you. Girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could use I pull it out so I pulled it out today because um, I am still on Arizona time which is three hours uh, behind where we are right now and I thought a little perk of sunshine would be helpful as we pulled up and I put on a yellow sweatshirt I see that too yeah yeah (laughs) so you're dressing the part of the sunshine Absolutely. When you can't feel it, when you can't see it, be it. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say, it was. If, what was her name again? Finney? The, the, there was someone who gave you that advice, and you mentioned them in one of our previous podcasts. Faith for Ray. Faith mm-hmm. for Ray. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Faith. <laughs> when you can't, you can't get out of it, get into it. Get into it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the story of that mug is it's from a parent of a kid who came home singing that song and said, Angie taught us this song, not knowing that Angie learned it when she was a little kid also. So, mm-hmm. was, Well, there's yeah. a reason why that uh, from the mouths of babes, mm-hmm. you know, 
line is around. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's fun. That's fun. So stories, they bring us, they, they really warm up a heart space, don't they? They do. They do. I was thinking, um, you know, again, I think I reference this every time we get on a pause cast, but back when we were planning what we were going to talk about, I think uh, if I remember correctly, the subject of story came up because this time of year is just full of natural story. I mean, there's, um, you know, and tradition, you know, and traditions bring up stories and the changing of seasons brings up stories. And as kids go back to school, there's stories and Halloween and All Saints Day have stories and, and all, all those things. So we thought, well, why don't we explore what stories are and why they matter? Mm. And um, I, I'm just one of those people that believes that we are wired for story, that there's, there's something in the, in the way that we craft our lives that is narrative. Um, when I sit down to tell you parts of my life, granted, I can't tell you the whole thing. It's like a mini mini series, you know, like, um, uh, one of the great mini series is it used to be on TV on ABC on, you know, Sunday nights, rich man, poor man was the big one when I was a kid, mm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you would watch this unfold, the thorn birds. Oh my gosh. You know, mm-hmm. saga. Yeah. Yeah. I remember roots. That's the one that oh, really roots. hit me. Absolutely. Roots. Yeah. So ours might not be as um, dramatic or as epic, but I think that they are too. And so if I were to tell you my life, it would be in the form of a narrative and not just bullet points. Well, I lived here. I lived, I did that. I, I, it may be, you know, if I were just getting, but if, if I wanted you to know me, it would be a narrative mm. and narratives indicate movement i mean it could be physical movement it could be emotional movement it could be spiritual movement it could be growth like physical growth um but it narratives uh, indicate change of some time and they include stagnations and and i'm using air quotes here you know sliding back moments when we've you know slid back down and learned something and then grown and and changed and moved on and then new stories come up so i think that that narrative that we have is how we find belonging. You know, if I would tell my story again to you or to anybody listening, that there there are things that we, if we're listening well, we find attunement in each other's story. We find alignment in each other's stories. Mm-hmm. It's what makes us human. And so the importance of story is just critical to who, I, I think stories are what are, are as necessary as air or water or food to live. Mm-hmm. And so how we tell our stories and, and what the stories we tell are just as important as what food we put into our mouths or what kind of toxins are in our air or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm thinking right now about uh, holding on to story because there's some stories that it's healthy to hold on to. And it's some stories that you need to sort of update the snapshot on. Right. Like it can be helpful to hold on to it. I'm the daughter of Gary and Cynthia. I'm the second oldest daughter in the family of four kids. That's a story. That's who I be. That's facts. It's also, for me, there's a story that holds that all in place. Yeah. And I can hold that in a healthy way. And I can also hold that in in an unhealthy way uh, with the either the emotion that I bring to it or the, the um, descriptors, you know, you want to talk about how story works that way? Sure. Um, 
I think probably the the simplest way that I know to describe that kind of story is there there are multiple kinds of stories, but the two main kinds of big stories that we tell are either myth or parable. Um, and I learned this forever ago. Um, I can't remember if his name comes to me. I will quote him. And if not, we'll add it to the notes later. <laughs> it up. Yeah. Um, but myth and parable are, are the two big buckets that we have for storytelling. And myth, myth is the story that we that gives us hope for possibility. You know, myth is the is um is, is there's a dichotomy to life. There's good and bad. There's rich and poor. There's uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> there's yeah. all those. Uh, you know, there's royalty and commoner. Like Disney has a lot of of mythology stories. You know, Beauty and the Beast uh, kind of mythology stories that give us a hope for possibilities of reconciliation hope that things will work out you know fingers crossed uh, mythology is that there is a better something somewhere and mythology can also rewrite past mythology isn't always just forward thinking it's also past thinking we can have a mythology about our childhood for example yeah because we don't want to deal with the hurt of it it's like oh well you know i, I did have a happy childhood or i really didn't or I had a really, you know, whatever that mythology is, it's not, mm -hmm. it, it, it's not present moment. Right. Parable is actionable. Parable is, um, you got to do something like myth. You don't just cross your fingers and wish for things to be better. Parable is you have to deal with what's real. So if you say that you believe this and you, and these are your values, then it's up to you to act on it. Um, so I think one of Parables are often associated with, um, I think, uh, in Christian terms, like New Testament story, like Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, where where the priest went walking by. You know, the priest is all he's all important. He was walking by, and there's there's a good person that was walking by, and then and then this this guy just you know I have to stop and help this person because I believe that humans matter, and so parables are actionable, but too much of one and not enough of the other like so many things in life, leave the, if I only live in the myth of my life, then I'm never like down to earth. I'm never really honest with how things are. I always am working to paint a picture of how things were, of how things are going to be, mm -hmm. of how things should be. Shoulds are a big part of myth. Um, but myths are important mm -hmm. because they give us hope. Um, they plant seeds for a different way of being. If I'm just living in parable, though, then I'm never stopping to breathe. I'm never, I'm, there's there's no hope. It's just the world sucks. Um, you know, there there's too much death and destruction, and nobody's taking care of anything, and I have to do everything, and and it can be very heavy. Mm. It's it's that both and so it, so the story absolutely. So back to your what stories do we tell? It's mm -hmm. are we telling honest stories, and do our stories um, do our stories give us permission to be real? And if not, then what's preventing that? And and, and not all of our stories, there, there are stories, there are interpretations. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of memoir writers who, who teach the craft, who say, you know, th this is your version of the story. You know, mm -hmm. you, you might have a sibling who lived in the same house with you that grew up in the same bedroom that you even shared a bed with. You had a completely different experience. Completely different experience. And right. who will even lambast you for saying something. Uh, that that is not true. So understanding that our experience is our experience, but can we own our experience and tell our story 
in a way that is good for the good for the whole good for my whole good for the whole yeah mm -hmm. and, do you think people realize that they have stories that they live in that they live in a reality that is in part constructed by themselves oh that's a good question i don't know I, I I believe that there is a level of us that knows that there's a yearning for that. Mm -hmm. Yearning for that awareness. A yearning for the awareness and a yearning to connect through story. Right. Let me tell you my story. I mean, that's the first. That's almost mm -hmm. always the first uh, assignment when you come back to school. To, you know, tell me about your summer. Right. right. That, that's storytelling at its at its most uh, basic. Yeah. But um, I just had a my 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 best friend Joyce, her daughter Michelle, just had a baby. I haven't seen them yet because of the whole, you know, sickness and pestilence that is in this world right now. Um, but when I do, and I'm remembered of me telling my own, you know, what what was the birth story of of your child, and and sharing that and all that kind of stuff. We we are we have we're driven yeah. to share our stories. What did I go through? How did I feel? And how does that relate to your experience? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that you just brought up a couple things. I'm going to slow down just a second so I don't tumble them all jumbled together. And mm -hmm. um, one of the things is I, I believe given the space and permission and a trusted container in which to tell our stories, I believe most people are aching to do that. Mm -hmm. My experience is, mm -hmm. I, I can't speak for the whole global worldwide population, mm -hmm. but my experience is that if there's an opportunity and somebody genuinely gives a shit, that we are willing to and aching to be vulnerable because we are so walled up a lot of the time. Yeah. Trying to be someone else's story. Mm -hmm whether it's our parents' story, what they expected of us, whether it's uh, uh, whether it's the world's story, whether it's our culture's story, whether it's our children's story, what they expect from us as parents. Mm, um, expectations again, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, and so we have uh, unspoken expectations about who we should be or what we should be and spend a lot of time, no, no matter who we, no matter how healthy we are, we still live into someone else's story from time to time. Mm-hmm. And the less we feel like we belong, the less we feel like we fit in, the more we live into somebody else's story, trying to find our way into this world. So given the opportunity to tell a story, there's some healing that happens, there's some hope that's planted, and there's some reality that's also made available and accessible to us so that we can change and adapt should we choose to. Mm -hmm. I just want to back up for a second and just underline what you just said in the sense of the less I feel I fit in, the more I live into someone else's story. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm trying to mold myself to be what they need as opposed to who I am and what right. I need to be in that moment. Yeah. Okay. And, and story, and I'm going to plant a seed here and whether we go this direction or not is um, but I do believe there's a bigger story or a bigger picture that we belong to 
don't have to call it God if you don't want to, but you can call it something, say a sacred hold, a, a sacred hold that our story is a part of a bigger story, mm-hmm. an ongoing story. And I think that's probably why sacred stories, regardless of which tradition they come from, resonate so much is because there's some traction. To, we can find ourselves in those stories, whether it's the story, whether it's the big stories, like say the story of Moses and, you know, wandering in wilderness and, and uh, being a stutterer, but still being called to speak, you know, all, all, all the things that uh, that story did, or whether it's a Hindu story of creation and, or, or jewels and gems in the sky and how we are there, there are mythological stories and parables that we find ourselves in that when told around the campfire, when told in, uh, when passed down from one generation to another, we find ourselves in, and therefore our story gets more of a more traction. Like, oh, I'm not the only one who's had this, or I'm not the only one who's experienced this. So our story is not just ours, as in I'm going to do a self improvement project by learning my story and becoming me. But in the context of hearing stories that have been handed to us, whether literally true or not is beside the point, but having a truth to them about what it means to be human, then we can find the courage to, oh, here's who I am, and here's what it means to be holy and human together, or or a sliver of something sacred in this world, mm-hmm. and not just me, me and my story. Because the I think it's a falsehood that we can create our own. Well, we can. We can create our own image and we can be very independent. And this is my story and I'm sticking to it. But is it true then? Um, and I think in telling those old stories, indigenous stories, I know you're a big fan of Richard. Wagamese. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is one of the you know amazing voices of passing on tradition of stories. Um and the need for stories. Mm-hmm. So what's our role in that? And how do we take our place in adding our voice to those ancient stories in everyday ways? I mean, it, and that's a big question. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing to wrap our arms around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask, when you talk about, uh, so I'm in my story, and my story is whatever my story is, and I am part of the bigger picture You've talked about it in the context of um, faith traditions in, in, in this right now. I'm wondering, do you also mean in terms of the arc of, of human life on this planet, my story is part of that that bigger Absolutely. story? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. I was also thinking, yes, we've got, you know, Sikh or or Taoist or Christian or Jewish stories. But I was also thinking about Ernie and Bert. Absolutely. Right? I mean, just as sacred. Just, just as <laughs> sacred and, and just as, again, from the mouths of babes, we learn about ourselves mm-hmm. through these stories that we onboard yeah. um, when we're just little. Yeah. And we learn our place and we learn more about others and and we learn that there are other possible ways of being, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. We learn other possible ways of being from hearing about other people's stories. Uh-huh. That really hits home. 
I hope that you're enjoying this episode of Meanderings with Trudy, the podcast, and our conversation around storytelling. So there's more to come. I hope you'll stick with us. I, I was I was sharing a bit before. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm the second wife to my husband Bruce, and uh, his first wife having having died from cancer, uh, breast mm-hmm. cancer, and so I am in the role of step parent. But when I came into that family, the kids were pretty old. I didn't really need a step parent. And I'm such a literal thinker. It only occurred to me recently after 14 years that there's a different role that I could take. I can be the wife of as opposed to stepmother too. And it never occurred to me that there was anything other than that. It's like, it's like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pitcher and I only have a fastball. <laughs> and now I've understood that there's a, you know, there's a sidearm. There are other ways that you can hold the ball. And it's, it's so illuminating to see from other people's stories. And it was another story that brought me to that understanding that there were other ways of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never had any experience with stepmothering before. Yeah. I thought it was just like regular mothering. Turns out it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's illuminating part. yeah whole other <laughs> podcast absolutely but it's so interesting because you begin to see other possibilities from hearing other people's stories i know and then that creates some room if you choose to have it to 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 say well what does this mean for me and how can that be brought into my space and i, I know you know you you have stepmothering experience too and and for you know for all parents who step into other parents' shoes for whatever reasons just know there are lots of ways to do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. Anyway, other stories bring that. Name Mm -hmm. something too that I, um, you know, I'm a big believer in people getting together. And I I do find that there is a, a dramatic difference between reading someone else's story, which is a good thing and it's you know that's a great step mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or listening uh, to a podcast of someone else's story or watching a movie about someone else's story and finding ourselves in that and that that's so um life enhancing at times to find yourself in someone else's story like that mm-hmm. but to be able to sit with someone and have them share their joys and concerns their highs and their lows their their the real stuff of life not as a story to perform, not as a story to be edited down and put on the page, not as a story to be put out and edited across the airwaves or mm-hmm. on the movie, but in real time, that practice of vulnerably speaking and vulnerably listening is so enlivening and is probably the thing that maybe we're most afraid of. Mm. I think of we could go back to funerals now, but we don't have to go that far. Mm-hmm. Somebody in grief, for example, yeah. who is really hurting from the loss of a loved one from the loss of a job from the death of a dog from you know whatever whatever real and in the moment grief there is and we give anything to share that mm-hmm. instead of being told oh you should oh gosh you know that was a week ago mm-hmm. uh, that was a month ago that was 10 years ago why are you still hanging on to that but it has this story and when they tell it it can be so raw because it's so real Mm -hmm. and it touches something inside of us, inside of me, inside of you in the hearer of that story 
that there's oftentimes we don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Other than, oh, well, let me tell you about when that happened to me. And we think that telling our story then is actually helpful. Mm-hmm. But it actually squashes the other person without that breath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do we do with the stories that have been offered up to us? Can we hold them with grace and say, wow, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the stories are such a, a gift, but real stories are, are such a gift mm-hmm. and in their raw, unedited form are so awkward because I don't know that we're in the practice of that anymore. No. Um, yeah. And that that's what brings connection. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I spoke with uh, Dina Bellaroche last week mm-hmm. on the podcast, and we talked about yeah. about grief. And uh, she was talking about that, that. You know, you don't know what you don't know until you find out from somebody else that this thing exists. And that was, you know, when you speak to, you know, ten years ago. Why are you still hung up on that? Um, right. Those momentary upswings of grief. Um, there's actually a name for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stug, a sudden mm-hmm. temporary upsurge of grief. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's there and then it's gone again. And it, it's, it's so interesting that mm-hmm. um, I think that's for myself, the meaning that I make out of that is it's a, it's a reminder of the deep love that I had for that person. Like when the geese go overhead, the geese were flying overhead the day my mom died. And twice a year now, twice, you know, yeah, I have sometimes, yeah, that moment of deep sadness and and immediate rawness and and there and almost immediately deep love for the reminder. Both are there. And it's it's I mean, I, I knew those things. These would happen to be not just with the, the the geese, but other other times. And it's funny in talking with her, I never thought that it was weird. I thought it had to be normal if it's happening in me, because I'm mm-hmm. not unlike other people. So other mm-hmm. people must have this too. But I've heard from others that it, you know they thought that they were broken somehow that this this thing kept happening to them. And certainly, when I talked with Dina, I shared that my my doctor had said that I had, and I shared with you, and and I recounted that on the podcast too about how you went, oh my god, where she told me that I'd done it wrong, you know, like I'd I'd grieved wrong and I was hung up in it, and and it was incomplete grief was was the uh, and I put air quotes around that, and now the the. It's even listed in the in the psychological handbook, the DSM, as as being hung, you know, as having a a component of a mental illness to be stuck in grief. And isn't that just so so emblematic of how difficult a relationship we have? Yeah. With grief and loss and heartbreak, because it also suggests that we have a difficult relationship with love because they're the same. Right. Absolutely, that's true. I I think of, uh, oh, again, so many different directions to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a whole uh, category of Christian tradition right now that I do not subscribe to, that it's called prosperity um, Christianity or, pro- or the prosperity gospel. And there are actually researchers who study this. 
that when you go to church on Sunday morning, you're you're taught that the story is is that if you just pray hard enough, if you just believe the right things, if you just have that wishful thinking, life will be good. So even in the traditions and the stories where where in theory we should be learning that life is both and, you know, dark and light, mm-hmm. uh, grief and joy, uh, the message that people get is. No, it should be happy, and you should have plenty of things to show how faithful you are. Mm-hmm. And there are some, the stadiums full of people that go to this because we all want to feel happy. We don't know what to do with our sad. Um, yeah. We don't know what to do with the heavy because it is the world in which we live in is there's not room for that. More and more so all the time. Yeah, more and yeah. more so all the time. Which brings me to your highs and lows, right? Like it, that is a practice of yeah. sharing what's good and what's hard. Yeah. But yeah, it's so it, hard to do in a way that is um, authentic to me. Like, I don't want to say authentic to me. That's such an overused word, but very real for me without me performing for someone else, as you said. Right. Like, what, what does somebody want to hear from me? What's the story that I'm supposed to tell yeah. so that you will give me a thumbs up or say, oh, that was a great story, or thanks for sharing, or, or not. I feel or, sad for or, you, or. or mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've taught it for years as a family practice, but gosh, I've done it in corporations, like gotten people together for lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I used to do this at a, at a tech company uh, that shall not be named, but a tech company that has branches all over the place. And every Wednesday in their Montreal office, I would set up, I would go into the boardroom and sit up for lunch and about 15 people would come and join me until the table was full. And then we were done and we would eat and everyone would share a high and a low. And the rule was, is that nobody could offer advice. Nobody could give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Nobody, nobody could say other, anything other than, hey, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And then after it was over, like nobody could talk about it in the hallways afterwards. It was like what what was shared in that lunchroom stayed in that lunchroom. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it over time became a, place, a trusted place where workers, like colleagues could come and just say, hey, this is, I'm really proud of Gosh, I'm excited that my I, I get to go visit my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, something I, I I don't even get to share with anybody else. But I, thanks for listening. And hello is that oh, you know, I got up with a headache this morning, or hello is that God, my family lives in Scotland and I haven't seen them for years and I really miss them. Or and that was it. I mean, we do it for an hour every Wednesday mm-hmm. and. And in that place of work, people found meaning and belonging. It doesn't have to be a church. It doesn't have to be at the family table. But, you know, we did do it at the family table uh, in at our house. Mm-hmm. Not when I was growing up. We didn't do that. But with me and my kids, we did it. <laughs> and more often than not, you get an eye roll because this is, this is storytelling. I get to tell you a story of my day. Yeah. And if you would take the time to listen, what a gift that is. But a lot of the times, you know, kids are hustling through. Parents are hustling through. There's other, you know, there's places to go. You got to get to hockey. Yeah. You got to get hockey. You got to get gymnastics. Jeopardy's coming on. You don't want to miss that. (laughs) Jeopardy's coming on. I don't want to miss it. Yeah. 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 
But there's that, yeah. oh, my high today is that, oh gosh, I don't know, my high today. And my low, so nine times out of 10, it's just a flip. Mm-hmm. But you know, in that 10th time, mm-hmm. got a place to share it. You don't have to make a place to share it. So it's a practice that I, you know, I believe in that, well, you know this to be true, that in anything that I do, that I, I think it's important that people have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, just to practice being real uh, to the best of our ability and to listen to the realness to the best of our ability. And people step on it all the time. Mm-hmm. They apologize. Yeah. Oh, that was a dumb low. Or no, this shouldn't be a high. You know, we we apologize for what we feel. And we step on somebody like, oh, gosh, that was weird. Or I know I'm not supposed to say anything, but you really need to see a therapist. <laughs> you know, you get that kind of advice. Um, but it's because we're human and, and we're practi- We're all practicing. We're all yeah. practicing. Where can we practice sharing our stories? And listening's hard. Listening's hard. Because when I feel uncomfortable, I want to get out of uncomfortable. If something you've said makes me uncomfortable, I need to fix me. So I fix you because you're the one who created it. Yeah. And that actually is my way of trying to fix me. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. It was that um, Wednesday lunch group Mm -hmm. that... Gosh, this is here. I'll tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was um, six years ago, week. I just, Facebook reminded me of this that on a Wednesday morning, I got up early to get ready to go down to work. And I flipped on the news here in Canada. I was living in Montreal at the time. And I saw the news that there had been a shooting in Iowa. You've likely heard me tell this story before mm-hmm. that there had been a shooting in Des Moines, Iowa, and two police officers had been killed at point blank range. Um, one was killed in one location with a gun to the head. And then the shooter went about a mile down the road and did the same to another police officer just on watch, just sitting in their cars, you know? Um, and I was still fairly new to Canada and it didn't feel like home yet. And Iowa still felt very much like home. And I felt like I was in a, you know, a a stranger in a foreign land. I mean, to pull on an old metaphor, but I was trying to put my roots down here and I was lost. And this thing happened back in Iowa. And this is a much longer story, but uh, I was just heartbroken. Iowa is one of these places of mythology where things like that don't happen. So I was crushed. I was just crushed. I was aching for those people. And and it, and it made, na- obviously it made national mm-hmm. and international news for me to see it in Canada. Yeah. So I went down to work that day at lunch mm-hmm. with those 14 or 15 people around the table. And it was my job to head up the highs and lows. Yeah. But because we've been practicing for so long and had that, and by, by so long, it had been a few months. It hadn't mm-hmm. been years. But I just sat down and I said, I'm starting today and I need a place to share this ache that I have. And I cried all the way through it. I miss Iowa. I miss home. I miss, I love all you, but I just want to be there. And if I were there, I would make a bunch of cookies and I would take them to the police because food is love and 
you know, I, I would take cookies to the police departments because I know that they're hurting. That's that's an old, I mean, that's handed down. That's what we do. That's what us people do. And afterwards, somebody walked up and said, now I know I'm not supposed to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but number one, thank you for sharing that story because I miss home too. I live, I'm from Brazil mm -hmm. and there's a tumultuous government there and I ache for my people all the time. And later on in the day, somebody else walked up and said, I know I'm not supposed to say anything, <laughs> <laughs> but, but God, I'm from, yeah. And I, and I miss them so much. And so later on, I went home that day and I made a bunch of cookies and I took them to the police department in Kirkland right down the street from where we live and that's a that's a completely different story where I was damn near arrested or <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it did appear that I was slightly off my rocker um, but I made cookies for them and took them in and in the in the acting out the cookie story and in the telling of the heartache the the cookie story has lived on for a long time and that people have reached out. What happened is I took cookies to the police department and they thought that I was nuts. And then I explained to them how heartbroken I was because this has happened in Des Moines, Iowa. And I realized how much they put their lives in danger every day just by sitting there and monitoring traffic. Yeah. And I gave them the cookies and a week later, an officer showed up at my door and said, I don't think anybody's ever done anything that nice for us. And I said, I was just hurting. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't do it because I just wanted a gold star. I did it because I, all of a sudden in my ache, I realized how much you all really do mm. and you get shit on all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think even in telling our stories, we can realize just the little things that we step on all the mm -hmm. time that we take for granted Yeah, all the time. And that honest telling of our stories makes us realize that we all are, have so much in common. Loss and hope and grief and joy yeah. that we rarely talk about. And it keeps us from, from going at each other all the time, if even for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In, in telling that story over the years, it's been six years and I've told the cookie story, I don't know how many times, and every time somebody says, I, I miss, or, oh yeah, we used to bake cookies, mm -hmm. or food is. Food is love, or, yeah. Or my favorite cookies are, or my grandma used to make. Yeah. Or, oh, I never thought about the police. Mm -hmm. Or where are you from? Mm -hmm. And always it offers that point of connection oh yeah well and especially here in canada we're um we we welcome four hundred thousand new immigrants a year the government just announced they want to uh they want to move that up to half a million a year mm -hmm. um and regardless of where you land on the on the immigration uh, dialogue and there's a lot of places to land um we need places to share our humanity and connections with exactly. one another that go beyond you're from Sri Lanka and I'm Canadian or you're from uh, Australia or you're from India or you're from Brazil or Uruguay or Peru. 
or from the United States. Or from the United States. And and people from all the corners of the world land in this country. And how do we create a sense of belonging for us all? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're just going to get more and more diverse in this country as time passes. Yeah. And so how do we... How do we create places for that kind of connection? Yeah. And the sharing of hopes and dreams and joys and concerns and traditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not so that we have to abdicate ours. Mm -hmm. But we can welcome. But we can welcome. Each other's. That leads to another story that we'll tell another time about pie night. Mm. Piapalooza. That's for next time, which would be American Thanksgiving time. So, right. When is American Thanksgiving? That's got to be coming up soon. It is. It's the fourth Thursday of November. So. Oh, wow. Maybe that's something we should talk about next time. I think so. Traditions. Traditions. Mm-hmm. I like that. Let Let's mm-hmm. talk about that next time. That works. Yeah, I think so. The story of Piapalooza. So there mm-hmm. you go, dear listener. <laughs> yeah yeah check 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 in at the next podcast in two weeks time and uh three weeks time something like that towards the end of november towards the end yeah and we'll uh we'll share the story angie will st- share the story of piapalooza mm-hmm. and uh, in the meanwhile if you have any comments or suggestions for topics you'd like us to um to cover you can send us an email at meanderingswithtrudy at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll take it under advisement. Um, it's probably also a good opportunity to remind you that um, we're going to be doing podcasts right up until the end of November. And then we're going to take uh, December and January off because uh, life just gets too busy for all of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to give space for our families and, and uh and launching into the new year, but we, we will start again in February. So I'm going to put that marker down, start putting that marker down now. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add to our storytelling? And uh, yeah, just encourage everybody to find places where their stories can be heard and to build that muscle to ask, to ask for somebody's story. Doesn't and, have to be a story. Yeah. And take a breath and listen. Yeah. Really absolutely. listen. Find the gift in it. Find the gift in it. Because it really, I think hearing somebody's story is about the most sacred thing there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get to see a piece of their soul that way. Yeah. And when they're done, pause and hold it for a while. Absolutely. Because you've just been given a gift. Absolutely. Yeah. So if there's one uh, invitation we could put out there today, that's what I would put out there today. Speaking of gifts, you are one. So thank you very much for this conversation. So are you. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>